are listening to Spurs Cast, episode 600. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the Spurs and their return from quarantine, multiple players still being out, and the second half of their schedule being released. However, before we get started, uh, Mike, this is episode 600 of the Spurs Cast. Can you can you please take the listeners through, um, you know, just pretty much like the story of, of how this podcast came into being and how you know what are your thoughts on it going all the way now to episode 600? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that when I started this, I envisioned 600. It was just one of those things that I kind of started. What, what happened is that I used to watch a um, a cable channel called Tech TV. I love technology and and mm-hmm. like they, they they like uh killed that channel but then a lot of the like hosts got together and started doing uh, getting together and like they would like have a, a mixer and a mic and they uh, go into different places and they try to record and then it was like okay so this technology like podcast that just started and I was like well that's really cool you know basically all they're doing is recording it and putting it online and then just posting about it and we had a WordPress um because when we started the website, WordPress really wasn't a thing yet. But at the time we had WordPress, I was like, okay, well, that's one part of the thing. And then I, I, I had, for a class, I had this like super cheap, terrible mic, which if, if uh, you ever listen to any of the old episodes, it sounded like I was calling it from a payphone or something. Uh, I was like, okay, I'll try that. And there's some free software. And so um, I recorded the first one. And it was just kind of fun. I was like, okay. This would be a different thing. It'll be like a way to provide some like audio content and mm-hmm. kind of a way to jump in on this like bleeding edge stuff. This was like before like Apple and iTunes made their changes before like podcasting had been become a thing. So I, I, it was pretty exciting at the time. There was probably not very many podcasts, and it was just like um, like major like uh, mainstream uh, people were on it. And so that's kind of how it started, and then. At the time for Project Spurs, there was a girl, uh, her name was Melissa Martinez, and she was writing, and I was like, do you want to come try it sometime? We can do it on Skype, and I'll record it through my mixer, and I bought a mixer by then, and, and stuff, and so she did it, and then uh, Jeff Garcia, who, who's, who does uh, Lockdown Spurs now, and who uh, was with us for quite a while, I kind of put like a, a call out for like, I I. I I realized early on that I needed a co-host. I was like, in order for this to be anything and for me not to bore people and me just be terrible, I was like, I really need a co-host. So I put like something on Craigslist and he answered it and he was like, like interested in writing. And I was like, well, how about doing the podcast with me? And so it was he and I for like the longest time. We had other people join us from time to time. And then, you know, we were doing live shows when that was still kind of early on and it just became... Something that was like really fun, and it, we had had a lot of fun with it. But then schedules got busy, and then so it, it came time. So I was like, okay, it's time to like start turning it over. And I remember at one time, Jeff and I would do a week, and then the next week it would be I think you and Kyle uh, Bainitz. Yeah, yeah, I remember Jeff Kyle Bainitz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so and then Kyle ended up hosting for a little while, and then I know Jose Grijalva and. Um, Aaron Prine did a really good job, and then Ryan McCallum came in to in. We just, at, at one point, it was like time for a, another change, and, and um, so you, you were interested in that. And so um, we transitioned over to you hosting, and then since then, you've been 
bringing on kind of like a, a different uh, person from the staff each week. And it's just been crazy to see it um, and as far as it's gotten. And, uh, you know, it, uh, what was it last year, the year before? I think you won an award for, like, uh, the San Antonio Magazine. It was like Editor's Choice or like Bell's Podcast or something like that. And it was like... So it's been really cool to see, like, to be a part of that and then start that journey and just see it grow from there. So it, it's a it's a long story, but it's been really fun. And, like, I can't see us stopping in time soon. It's just, it's just so much fun. And it's just a different thing, you know. It's its own thing now, it seems like. And we still have it, as obviously, as part of Product Person and everything. But it's just uh, something that's, that's uh, kind of separate on, on its own. It, it kind of it can kind of go in different directions and stuff with it that... We can't always go into like detail on the site and stuff like that on certain things. Yeah, and, and the thing that really strikes me is just how how early on y'all thought about doing this. I mean, considering like you said, like podcasts didn't really get popular until, until a little bit later than that. And can, if you can recall, what, do you remember what season it was? What, what Spurs year it was when when you first, guys first launched? Okay, so I remember uh, when I was it was two thousand five. It was the uh, the championship wow, okay, like, when okay. they won the the Pistons when they were in that in that uh, playoff series. Is one I started when they were in the playoffs that year that they won their second championship, I guess. And so, and then I remember doing a podcast with the the person I told you, Melissa, after mm-hmm. they won um, the championship that year. So yeah, it was a while back. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, again. That's that's pretty wild that it's, it's that far back. Back in two thousand five, that that first, you know, that, oh, not the first, but you know, one of the sports championships. Anyway, uh, and then for me, you know, when I knew this episode was coming up six hundred, I was like, okay, well, I, I've only done this for like fifty episodes. I felt like it doesn't feel like I've been doing it that long. But then, man, I, I, so then I went back to like like um, like five fifty. I'm like, wait a minute, nope, Paul Garcia is still the host. And then I went back to five hundred. Wait a minute, Paul Garcia is still the host. <laughs> I had to go all the way back to four fifty nine. I kind of I could not believe that I started doing this on episode four five nine. So so as of today, this is this is 141 episodes i've done already and, and like you mentioned mike you know i i've uh, only when i have to it's an emergency I, I do have to go solo every now and then which is very rare but you're right you know it's it's so much better to have a guest on and even have multiple guests i know that in the off season we like to we like to experiment that way and have like three yeah. or four guests uh, uh you know people on the episode just have a little bit more fun uh but you know we do want to keep it you know really concise during the season just to make sure we get to the to the episode so yeah so so again uh this is episode 600 that we're about to record here um you know spurs cast listeners again thank you to michael uh, for, for for first launching the spurs Cast, you know now it's now it's available i remember being a, being a fan of it early on and then also i was so happy whenever you guys would would, would, would um, bring me on to, to to be a guest you know early on when i first started writing with project spurs uh back in the day too so so yeah so so let's go ahead and get uh, right into episode 600 here so uh spurs cast sisters I, I know that we normally have a, a certain routine here at the spurs cast but because of the, the, the you know just the, the awkwardness of this last whole week of what's been going on with the team uh we're going to change up the, the, the format just a little bit okay so what we're going to do is we're going to first dive into the, to the latest news because there's a lot of different uh, topics for the news with the Spurs, and then we'll just spend some time on that one um, game that they've played so far since I last recorded, which was against the Oklahoma City Thunder on Wednesday. So let's first begin with some some um, news on the players. So last week when I recorded, um, you know, we did we knew that the Spurs were in quarantine. You know that they had to have four games postponed, but we did not know who the players were. So now we've actually got some some, some more details on, on the players and their situation. So uh, the NBA did announce that five um, Spurs players. Um, 
are out due to health and safety protocols, and we know that they had uh, they, they also had some, some positive tests. Uh, so that those players are, and they're actually some some of these players are their um, their normal rotation players. So so you have Rudy Gay, uh, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, and Derek White, and then also uh, Quindary Weatherspoon, which which we knew Quindary was one of the players because he, he was the first player to get um, to have to sit out a game for the Spurs due to um, quarantine protocols uh, about two weeks ago when they were playing. Uh, uh, I think it goes against Atlanta after that Atlanta game. Now, uh, f- from the latest news, uh, Mike and I are recording this on a Friday evening. So the Spurs have put out their injury report for their game Saturday against the Pelicans. And they did say that Weatherspoon is going to be out on Saturday, but he's um, only out uh, due to a coach's decision. And, and the reason why is for reconditioning uh, because it's it's called post-health and safety protocols for, for Weatherspoon. Now, um, DeMar DeRozan also missed uh, Wednesday, Wednesday's Spurs game against the Thunder. And that was for a different reason. He's, he doesn't, he's not in, he's not in quarantine because um, of, you know, pr- safety protocols but uh you know we talked about his situation a week ago where his father had just um, passed away when we last recorded so that was some unfortunate news for for, for demar and his family uh but now it looks like demar might be returning on saturday the spurs um, are listing him as questionable to return on saturday so there's a chance um demar could come back and then some other news that, uh, that we saw this this past week which which i was not not shocked by but you know i was a little surprised was was the fact that demar didn't get selected as an all-star and i know that last week we spent a lot of time um talking about you know his he had a really good chance of getting in but uh you know the the NBA, um, the 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 coaches didn't pick him, and neither did Adam Silver when um when when the reserves were announced. And the and the reason why is because all those players got in that I thought at the guard rotation, but it was Zion that threw threw off my calculations. I, I didn't think that the coaches would pick uh, uh, one of the forwards, but they instead they did give um one guard that that extra wild card spot and one forward. So that's actually what threw off my projections on why Demar missed out here from what I could see. Uh, so Mike, I know that's a lot of information. What do you want to say about those players that are out and also um Demar returning soon? Yeah, man, it, it's tough with the, with the with the players because it's it's definitely changing to a season. It, it's crazy how four games being postponed. It seemed like we're. It seemed like that the season was off for like a month or something. It seemed like forever uh, that you know it took them to come back. But uh, you know, I, obviously the most important thing is everybody comes back healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quindary Westwood is a guy that I feel like terrible for because he has not. You know, he played so well in the bubble. Uh, to end last season, and he just really hasn't had a chance to get on the floor. And obviously, he's not in in Orlando with Austin, and so he's just not being able to really do anything right now. As far as Demar, and there's one of the things like I talked to you about it. It's so hard, I think now because there's so much talent, and it's just like somebody. No matter what, you're always going to have a group of players that that. Either feel they're snubbed or people are are gonna say they're snubbed. And like I, I thought maybe he could have edged either Chris Paul or maybe Zion. I'm not, but then it's it's the thing is like who do you who do you keep out? Like Chris Paul still has, has had really good numbers and he's got Phoenix playing very well. New Orleans, their record's not so great, but then you also have Devin Booker who didn't make it. You also have Brandon Ingram. Uh, Zion's teammate that didn't make it this time in good season, and so it's it's. I mean, look at the Eastern Conference. Uh, like Trey Young, uh, wasn't part of that group. It was it was a bunch of really good players. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's like really it's become really hard to try to include everybody who actually deserves to be named. But then you can't. You have to. I guess you have to cap it at at some point, right? I mean, you can't. If if any year you're gonna like not send a whole bunch of players, it's probably the best year, you know, not to send a lot of players. And maybe in the future, if they want to talk about increasing the amount of all stars, okay. But then, 
again, it's like when do you when do you cut it off? And there's still gonna be players who, you know, are gonna be kept out. So it, it, it's a tough call. Yeah, no, no, it is. And you know, there, there, for, from my from my from my viewpoint, you know, there was two, there, there was there was the one thing that really bothered me about about him not getting to, uh, selected was the fact that the Spurs were winning this year. They had a winning record. They were fifth in the Western yeah. Conference, and you know, they, they weren't that many more games away from 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 Phoenix, who has two All Stars, or some of the other teams. And then my other issue is, um, you know, so, so that's one part of it. I think that the Spurs were winning, uh, and then the fact that you know some of these players that got in, they're not even on winning teams, and that that always bothers me when when you don't have a winning record on your team, and then you still get selected. Now, I know the talent is just you know overwhelming for some of these players uh but then you know i could also see the flip side of why you know derozan wasn't wasn't um, chosen uh, you know his stats don't quite pop off pop off the page and also you know this spurs team we've talked about you know they have like multiple players who, who average double figures this is a really like just like a complete unit uh, uh this season so that's why i feel like um uh what do you call it like yeah like you know you, you can't just say it's just one player because there, there are some nights when derozan has an off night and then Dejounte murray turns it up or, or Keldon johnson you know it's, so i think that this is more of a collective effort and in, and in this case it does hurt the one hurt the all-star case for any of these players just because they're such a a, a a team that puts puts a lot of players uh, provide production not just not just one sole sole player uh, on the team so yeah so so demar demar did miss the um you know did not get selected for the all-star game um and then the the, uh, the other um, a bit of news, Mike, that, that happened this week was uh, Lamarcus Aldridge return. You know, with 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 the with the games canceled or not not canceled but postponed for so long, Aldridge was able to recover from his hip injury, and he was actually able to play in this game against um, uh, uh, the Oklahoma City on the, on Wednesday. The interesting part about that was that he came off the bench for the first time since uh, since early on in his career. Uh, he came off the bench with eleven points and seven rebounds, and I thought it was more so for like a conditioning effort. You know, since he hasn't played in, in, in multiple weeks since the, actually since the beginning of February. However. When you, when you listen to his post game audio and his interview, uh, it almost sounds like this might be something they're going to they, they're going to try to stick with for a little bit um, more than one game. Now, now we were going to discuss that as our, our as our main question is you know what does this team look like with Lamarcus off the bench? But the Spurs have now listed him as questionable because he has a new injury and that's a right wrist um, uh, right wrist injury for soreness. Uh, so, what do you want to say about Aldridge and his situation? You know, it, it's it's a tough call, but at some point, I think you know you have to kind of be open to. Them moving things around, trying to see what what fits better. I mean, obviously, I don't think Luca is the answer at at starting at that position because um, he's he's not ready for that. But he's he's not ready for that. But you know, the thing with whenever like say like Demar is out, it puts a lot of pressure on him to have to do a lot. And I feel like he almost prefers like when he has somebody else that's like carrying the load with him and. I kind of think maybe him being on the bench kind of can take some of that pressure off, and he'll still be able mm-hmm. to have like you know eleven point seven rebounds. Uh, what you know, which is I feel like off the bench, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's probably about the average rebounds he he gets even when he starts. Um, if they can find something that works well, if they see like chemistry, um, I know uh, Jakob has worked well with uh, some of the starters in the past, and you know, if, you know if they feel like continuing to use like tomorrow at the four and and then start Jakob and that just works better than you know obviously that's not something the money had to do and 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 except when he was still in in his prime you know and mm-hmm. and so it, it's I think obviously every player is different and, and they're gonna respond differently but I didn't I didn't mind it I mean, I mean and so as long as it's trying something that might be for the better of a team and then you have a second unit that can be strong with Lamarcus it can 
obviously score, and then you've got Patty and a few others, then, you know, maybe that's better for the team. Yeah, and, you know, and I think that, you know, um, one thing we saw, though, in, in this, and again, it's just one game um, that he came back for coming off the bench, was that he actually got seven post-ups in, in that game, and, and he, normally he only gets, like, two or three if he's lucky in a game when, he, when he's with the with the full team and he's, he's in his normal starting role. So they really have to decrease his post-up opportunities. You know, he really doesn't get a lot of possessions on offense unless he's doing those pick-and-pop threes or mid-range jumpers. So so because of that, like you mentioned, Mike, he, he, got, he got a lot more shots off. Uh, he, got, he got a lot more of the offense running through him off the second unit. And, again, maybe that's a, that's a better role for him. I think that 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 that, that the, if this is a long term solution, or at least they're going to try it for multiple games. I think that you know it's because of, of what what the team did when he was out. You know their 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 numbers across the board defensively just got better. Even Demar Derozan, where you know his on off numbers when he's off the floor with Lamarcus, you know they, I mean when he's on the floor with Lamarcus, you know his numbers were bad. But then for the for the, those 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 games that Lamarcus was out, Demar even Demar's numbers look so much better. So so you know I think that right now that the team where they left off um, prior to them um, you know getting getting impacted by COVID, they were they were playing really well, and I, I really feel like. Maybe Coach Pop didn't want to didn't want to mess that up, and so he wants to kind of keep this group going together when when everybody gets healthy again and get back, gets back to the team. So again, we'll see we'll see how long that 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 stays that stays in uh, a, a part of the team with Lamarcus coming off the bench. But for now, you know, like I said, if you if you listen to his interview, it, it doesn't sound like this was a one game thing. It sounds like this might be a, a multiple game uh, um, new role for him. So so yeah, we'll kind of just wait and see. And again, he could be out Saturday uh, with that new wrist injury that just came about. Um, and the, the last bit of news, Mike, uh, is, is uh, earlier this week uh, that the NBA did, um, you know, release a schedule for, for the Spurs and all the other teams, the second half of the schedule. And wow, the Spurs have a, have a tough road ahead to finish off this year. Um, you know, according to, to one of our writers at Project Spurs, Josh Baredes, uh, he put on Twitter that, uh, that the Spurs actually have the four toughest strength of schedule. I, I, I believe he, uh, it's in the league or else out west for sure, uh, at 51.5% for their winning percentage for the opponents. And out of the top 11 teams out west that are chasing the playoffs, you know, they have the toughest road is, is what he is. He, what his analysis shows there, um, Jordan Houndstein, the, uh, the one of the Spurs um, PR guys, uh, he he re- he recently put out a tweet where he says that um, if the Spurs are going to have forty games in sixty eight days for the second half Gosh. of the season after All Star break, and there's no consecutive days off. So I mean that's that's tough. It's like every other day there's a wow. game where there's back to backs, and then uh, Jeff McDonald reported that um, they have seven back to back sets in this second half of the season, and we know that this is a team that struggles um, on the second night of back to backs. I believe they're zero four already. So so I mean they have a very tough schedule ahead of them. What what did you think about that schedule that came out yeah that's 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 a, a rough one because it's i mean that this team like you said on back to backs they've had they've, they've had a really tough time not only that i don't know how they're going to make up those four games with the schedule that they have right now 40 games in 68 days and you're supposed to try to get four four more games in there somehow uh i, I don't even know if they're gonna you know, I'm not sure if they're just gonna have to go by win percentages or what, but <clears throat> that's a tough one to to do. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not, not not an easy schedule, and I think they're like six right now in the West. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not one of those things where they can coast to, uh, you know, like a play in or or you know playoffs or anything like that. They've got to they're gonna have some some tests, and I think coming up like it's like Monday is one of the first ones. Brooklyn should be. Uh, a tough uh, matchup for them, but yeah, it, it, it's not easy for the second half. And it, I remember it, it's always been like the road trip was like the toughest part of the schedule, but the road trip pretty much is gone now. Um, but still, the rest of the schedule is, is is really hard. So yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna get to see a lot of what this team is made of, and then I think we're gonna get to see you know one thing that could be 
kind of exciting as you'll get to see some of their depth and see some of the younger guys on back-to-backs and things like that. Um, we recorded the Ferro Toros podcast earlier today, and we were talking about uh, Keeler Bates' depth, and maybe we'll get to see a, a little more of him now on back-to-back. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how that that uh, that goes. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a rough go-, go for the rest of the season. Yeah, or even like this weekend coming up, just because like like we mentioned, you know, we already know for sure against New Orleans on Saturday that all like, all their core rotation players are out again. The, the guys that all the five players who are out who had a miss. So again, even even uh, you know these even like like that that game against OKC, the fact that they could have won it, they were just right there. It, it might hurt them, you know, down the road. Even though, even though we know that this team, you know, was already down so many players. So so let's go to now. Uh, let's go ahead and shift over to I'm talking about the, the last topic here, which is that game against OKC. And again, we don't want to spend too too much time on this or, or go too deep into the analysis because it was the Spurs' first game after, you know, multiple days of, of not playing basketball at all, you know, being stuck in quarantine. They only got, I think, two practices in. And then, um, you know, and then also, the, you know, as far as for the future, you know, these aren't their, their normal players who you would see, like, in the playoff setting. Uh, most of these players, uh, a lot of these guys are, like, like the, the players on the bench unit or even the second bench unit who, who got some minutes. So let's just do a quick little re- um, uh, recap, and then I'm going to ask Mike some questions about um, two specific players uh, in a bit. So uh, the way the way this game went down was early on, it was it was OKC who had the lead. Uh, they led by 10 points um, late in the first quarter then um you know the spurs make a little bit of a comeback and then by the third quarter early on in the third quarter the spurs actually take an 11 point lead so both teams led by double digits in this one uh you know the, the thunder fight back as well and then uh, the spurs make a little run there in the fourth but you know we're going now to the last 30 seconds of the game it's the spurs ball uh game's tied at 99 with 10.7 seconds left they inbound patty mills gets the ball um, you know off the wing and he's trying to he's trying to go by one of the one of the thunder defenders but he accidentally double dribbles so he gets called for a turnover there then on the next possession, um, again, tied game with 3.9 seconds left. Uh, the Thunder inbound the ball to Al Horford. Jakob Hurdle tries to kind of – he's playing denial defense, but instead he kind of almost looks like he's trying to go for the steal. But now because of that, Horford, since he doesn't get the steal basically, Horford's able to kind of wrap around and, and have the have the edge in terms of beating Jakob toward the basket, which is the paint's wide open at this point, which could be a, a point, blank, point blank layup for, 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 um, for, for Horford. So Patty Mills is the help defender guarding Lou Dort in the corner. Patty Mills kind of helps out He has because, you know, he has to try to protect the rim and so Jakob isn't you know uh, is also with, with Horford as well and so what does that do that leaves Horford the pass to make to the corner to um, Lou Dort who makes a wide open three and that's pretty much your ball game the Spurs lose 102-99 again that's been their only game that they've played since the quarantine uh DeJounte Murray played really well in his return um 27 points uh and then also um, um SGA Shea Gildas Alexander for the Thunder had 42 points a career high uh against the Spurs so uh, Mike just give me some of your, your initial thoughts on this game um uh, you know try, try to hold off on your thoughts on Lou Lucas Samanich and, and Trey Jones because I want to talk about them in detail in, in a bit. But what, what were some of your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know what's funny? I've I've seen this kind of situation play out a lot of times. It seems like, and especially down the stretch, it wasn't just one that one possession where it happened, but a lot of times they'll like over dribble or even over pass instead of taking uh, good shots that that, that are maybe not aren't open, but they've got some space and and instead they'll pass the ball into a. They'll overpass or over dribble into a tougher situation, and that's kind of what was happening with Patty. And he kind of put himself on that sideline. That sideline's that's like the coach will always tell you that's basically another defender right there. So you're like, you know, that that mm-hmm. was a he had that that double dribble. Um, so that was a tough situation. And then, you know, I, I guess you know you can break down everything and say well maybe Yaku shouldn't have gone for the steal and should have just played him straight up. That's tough at the same... The thing is, like, Lou Dort was knocking down shots, it seemed like, all mm-hmm. game. And then 
that it was too easy a pass for Horford to make. Horford has been known as a, a good passing big man, and that pass mm-hmm. was too easy. It's almost like the double came a, a, a little bit early, and so he had so much time, uh, you know, to be, be able to, you know, get that pass and shoot it in rhythm and knock it down. It was just like as soon as he got that pass, I was like, "That's going down." That's that, you know, if he misses that. That would be crazy, and it, it, you know it's just a, a, a tough situation. They hadn't played in such a long time, so obviously that's why this game is is so close. I mean, the Thunder were shorthanded, just and the Spurs were mm-hmm. probably quite a bit more shorthanded still. So you like to see there were some good things in there. I mean, Dejounte, this guy's confident, so I'm I'm loving seeing that. Seems like it's growing every game, and he's been able to do a lot more with not just scoring, but also his like. Uh, ability to, to handle the ball and to, and to, you know, distribute and things like that. Um, so I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of that. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a, a, a tough loss, but it's it's one of those things that you can easily say, okay, well, there's some rust there, and you have six players out. It, that's tough. Uh, it, mm-hmm. was, it was certainly winnable there. Yeah, for sure. And that was the thing. You could tell Vegas didn't even know who to pick in this game because uh, uh, initially it was the Thunder favored by two. And then when the, when the, when the Spurs announced that LaMarcus was going to play, it became Spurs favored by one. And then, you know, as of as of Coach Pop's press conference, I checked one last time and it was a, it was a pick em, which means nobody was really favored in this game. So, um, you know, Vegas was like, this is pretty much two even teams at this point with, with the rosters that they have together, you know, at, at this point uh, for this game. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that again, like I said, like, you know, just the fact that it was a winnable game still uh, and, and, and the fact that you know like like we mentioned you know any all these games now that are that where they're either they're either like just barely um, an underdog or, or or they are favored they've got to try their best to win these games because you know like like we mentioned that, that second half of the schedule is going to be really rough for them so they got to try to get these wins as best as possible um, right now even even with the circumstances that, that, that they're dealing with with the multiple players out due to, to, to the to health and safety protocols all right so Mike now here, here are two players I really want to um, um, speak with you about because like you mentioned you know you record the for, the forever turtles podcast each week with John Diaz and um, Jonas Clark and so so, um, you know, I, I didn't get to catch a lot of the Austin Spurs games. So, um, you know, but but I, I do see that you know see the overall numbers, and I see that Lucas Simonich. You know, I kept seeing t- um, stuff about him on, on on Twitter, and then also from from press releases from from Simonich and also Trey Jones how, how well they played. And then you know, Simonich got to start in this game against the, the Thunder on. Um, on Wednesday, so so his overall score uh, stats here. He finishes with four points, both of them um, coming from the paint. Uh, two of three shooting. Um, he he attempted just one three, uh, four rebounds, one foul, uh, and one turnover in 19 minutes. Uh, and then um, something interesting was that you know with the close game in, in hand against Oklahoma City, Coach Pop went to the players he trusted most, the players with the most experience. And so we saw that you, you know with, with, with Luca being in, in only his second year and hasn't played much NBA minutes, he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. So really, all of this action was done in in three quarters for Luca. Um, uh, his primary match. Matchups in this game were, were Lou Dort and then also um, Teo Maladon. And then, so so since you've been watching him for, for all those games in the G League bubble, what, what were your thoughts? You know, were, were you, were you, is that kind of what you expected? Were you very surprised about something? Or were you, was it kind of like an underperformance? What were your thoughts on, on Luca's game? I think that Coach Pop gave him some praise after the game, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see him get some minutes. I mean, it, obviously, you know, the start, I mean, that's something due to circumstances that he was uh, inserted into the lineup. But I, I, I don't expect to see that anytime, you know, soon. I, I feel like the matchups, those play well in his... Well, normally they, they play on his favor because one thing I've seen out of him in the G League is he has, like, a totally different style than I think he'll be able to get away with when he's in the G League. Like, he's... When he's been playing for Austin, he plays bully ball. It's like, like this guy who... 
who has, you know, taken a lot of uh, uh, ribbing for, like, his upper body strength or lack thereof, and, you know, uh, obviously being more of a finesse-type player, it seems like, in, all, in, in the bubble, he's just, like, throwing his body into players and, and moving players around and able to score, you know, uh, close to the basket, and he's not, you know, he's getting a lot of his points in the paint, and and I remember telling John and Jonah, I was like, if he tries to do that, like, in the NBA, if he tries to do that against, like, say, like, a Bam Adebayo or something, Bam's not going to move, right? And he tried yeah. to do it, it seemed like, with the Al Horford at one point, and it didn't, it didn't happen. So, the Dort and, and uh, well, uh, matchups are probably a little better for him, probably a little better for him. Uh, he's got speed and he's got the length there. You know, what... I, I didn't expect a whole lot. I, I wasn't sure what we were going to see. Uh, he's done well uh, in the in the bubble with Austin. Um, he, but he's... It's kind of strange because his numbers seem like so crazy. But he's like... I, I was uh, saying that he's like the new captain late or something. Because like he'll play... Like he, he, he'll get nothing going for like three quarters. Then he'd come into the fourth quarter and save the day and pull them out of whatever was happening and just like command the ball and, and, and get inside and, and, you know, score all these points and, and his rebounds get up like four rebounds a game compared to last year and things like that. So, so it, it's such a, it's such a strange situation where it's really hard to read because I think that, you know, the difference between NBA and G League, at least the way he's been playing, is going to be a lot harder, but I'm also seeing some improvement there. So I'm not like <laughs> totally on this Luka train that's been going around lately or anything like that. But, you know, I like to see that he's at least trying to, to change his game a little bit more. And so, you know, it, he's definitely going to be one uh, to keep an eye on. I, I think that, you know, unfortunately that, that things happened where they needed to call him up. But I think he needed to... He would have been better served by staying in the bubble, uh, mm-hmm. just because for his development, I feel like that was good for him. And and so, in fact, we were talking about it earlier. We're both, both kind of saying that we were all kind of saying that we hope that he and Trey Jones both get back there, you know, like for a playoff push or for the playoffs or something. If if they end up qualifying. Yeah, so I just put up his numbers for the G League when he left. Uh, he was averaging twenty one point eight points, eleven rebounds, and two assists a night in thirty three minutes. So, so, you know that that's a big part of it. So, so yeah, and I noticed some of those things. So, so I, w- I wanted to ask you: uh, the Spurs pretty much made him play a three in this game, in this one game again. Like I said, he guarded Louis Dort, and so I saw him a lot of times either standing on the perimeter. However, I did see him. You know, he wouldn't get the ball because they don't do post ups anymore. This team, they, you know, Jakob's lucky if he gets one post up a game. Like I mentioned, Lamarcus is lucky on on a normal night if he gets three, even though he got seven last night. And I, I did see Luca continuing to kind of just. Go in the post and like of course they wouldn't throw him the ball and so so i wanted to ask you in the g league was he playing more at the four or at the three when he was out uh, there? more four for sure okay so exactly so so it does seem like he was out of position again this is also because the spurs were, were limited on, on a number of players available so they had to put him at the three and coach pop i guess wanted to see what he could do there at the three and so yeah i could tell that it looked like he was a little uncomfortable in terms of what he was supposed to do on offense uh it wasn't really in- impressive early on in the, in the in the first quarter when he had, he had one of those nice drives from the basket i think it was like trey lyles or yaka Perto gave him a little dribble handoff and he kind of just took it and made like a little bang 
tinker off the off the off the window. So so yeah, I mean I mean I, I think that's the that's the, that's the hard part about reading G League stats and then translating to NBA. So it's like you you go from like twenty one eleven and then all of a sudden it's like four points. It's like it's like if you didn't watch the games of the G League, it's like that's why I wanted to ask you more for for the context of this. And so that's why I wanted to get your thoughts. And so yeah, and even actually I do want to say Coach Pop gave him some praise. He gave him Luca and um, Kata Bates Jobs uh, some praise uh, after the game. He said they, they both played well. Um, and then now let's talk about the second player. Um, you know who just came from from the from the G League bubble as well, and that's Trey Jones, the Spurs' rookie. Um, back in the G League bubble, bubble, he was averaging 18 points, five rebounds, uh, and 9.7 assists in 31 minutes. Again, keep an eye on those 31 minutes. Um, in this game against the Thunder, he uh, scores um, four points, two of two field goals, so he he, he made both of his shots, uh, one assist, uh, one foul, and one turnover. Just and again, he only played 12 minutes. Uh, his main matchups were, were SGA, um, Shea Gilders Alexander, and um, um, uh, is it uh, Diallo. Uh, so, so what were your thoughts, Mike, on 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 Jones's play off the bench? Yeah, I mean it was, that that SGA match was a tough one because you know SGA was just, was just going off and he was doing it pretty much yeah. against anyone. So that's always mm-hmm. a tough one. But Trey, I'm liking I'm liking that pick more and more the more I see him play because it, it you know it's kind of crazy because you can put up crazy numbers in college and you can put up some crazy numbers sometimes in G League, but then when you get to the NBA, like you can't fake it. Uh, all the time, especially, but I think that at you know, I, I think in certain positions you can kind of hide behind like a lot of shot, a lot of you know, taking a lot of shots to put up big points or doing things like that. Point guard is not a position that you can really fake, like being a, a floor general and being able to you know trust that player with the ball in his hands. Is not something you can fake. That that's like the, being a pure point guard. You can't fake it. So the one thing I'm seeing from Trey Jones is he's he gets the, the game and and he's got mm-hmm. like the natural feel for it. And it, it's it's one thing that I've seen from him is he's been the one player uh, in the bubble for Austin that I I've been probably I I, I guess I've kind of like heaped the most praise on because. He, as as young as he is, he seems like he's ready to, like, he could be, like, in a year or two, probably starting at point guard zone because he's just, he knows what to do with the ball. He doesn't, he doesn't make a lot of rookie mistakes. And, you know, he, he has some tools, you know, aside from being able to distribute. And I feel like he and Luca have worked really well together. And mm-hmm. uh, he's been, it's funny because as soon as you saw Trey, uh, get called up to San Antonio. A lot of other players were were having difficulty because they didn't oh, have that guy to find them in their spots and to that they were mm-hmm. used to. Um, and so, with Trey, aside from being that like natural distributor, um, he's also got speed and and he he has this like change of pace where it's so quick where he just needs to see a tiny window and he'll like explode to the basket and get a layup and. You know, uh, his shooting seems to be improving. Um, so that's that's one where it's like, you know, the Spurs already have so many talented young guards, but he's another one, and he he may be able to compete uh, sooner rather than later because everything I've seen from him so far, it's like he's got that, like, pure point guard tendencies, and he knows what he's doing already. 
Yeah, and um, you know, as far as Trey, I, I see what I mean. I, I see some of those points as well. And from what I talk, my, my biggest takeaway is not even a stat thing. It's more like just his composure. He just looks so comfortable out there. Like even though he's it's only, it's only he's only a rookie. Like he just looks he just looks like you know he's already been playing in the NBA for like, like twenty or thirty games now. It's just like when I saw him come off the bench and just kind of running alongside Patty Mills. He's just you know giving the ball to players where they need it. So so I think for Trey, he just looks a lot more comfortable. than that I guess that's what you're saying, Mike. There, especially how you mentioned how the, some of the Austin players now that he's gone are they're actually struggling. You know, on the offensive end, and I. I think one of the one of the one of the one of the really cool things about this just, just is, is, is these few games that these players are going to play a lot of minutes is just fun to just watch their like you know see what they're doing. It's almost like it's almost like getting a camera and just putting it on one player instead of watching the whole team. So like what I would do is whenever you Luca was in the game on both ends on offense and defense, I, I constantly just pay attention to him. You know how's he guarding his his man? How's he doing on help defense? You know on offense? You know what is he doing besides just standing in the corner? Is, is he? And that's why I said you really notice if you just watch only Luca, you'll notice that he's trying to get into the post, but nobody's going to give him the ball there. And, and so so it's, it's just more interesting it's almost like because like we, we kind of know who the who the nine-man rotation is the 10-man rotation when everyone's healthy uh but now that the, these two players at least for the for these next for, for at least for tomorrow which is saturday uh against the pelicans you know they're going to pretty much probably probably get um very close to the same type of minutes so it's going to be interesting again to see, see how they play and so it's just like a new little wrinkle in the season just to see these players getting getting more minutes and then and then i agree with you with mike you know i think that maybe there's a chance the spurs do send them both back um if everybody gets healthy and everybody um all the players that are out right now do, do look like they're healthy again and, and back at full speed um you know that That'll be something to watch as well uh, uh, for for Trey Jones and Lucas Samaj. So again, that's just like a little interesting um, part of the season right now, uh, due to the unfortunate circumstance that the team's dealing with health wise. Is that the fact that we get to watch Luca and Trey? Okay, so so now before we wrap up this episode, uh, please don't forget to, to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, Steven, Al- Steven Anderson is continuing to provide analysis after each game. And then also Benjamin Bornstein's getting ready for the draft coming up uh, with his prospect watches. His latest one is over Corey, uh, Corey Kispert, it looks like here. Um, thanks again to Mike for joining me here on the Spurs cast for, uh, and also for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.